Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Monday, you are back once again with the Genegade Master. You are back once again with Jen and No Straight Answers, the LGBT plus podcast where I talk to some awesome people in the community and generally have an incredible time and learn stuff about myself in the process. It's been quite the journey, I can tell you. This week, I'm chatting to the amazing comedian and so you think you're funny semi finalist. Kathleen Hughes. This one was really lovely for me. Um, I love chatting to other comedians just because it reminds me of the old days. This one's about family acceptance and self-confidence. And we also chat a lot about how much we both love Jen Ives. Seriously, go Google Jen Ives. You can do it now. You can multitask, right? Or Or is that just my ADHD brain just going, 80 tabs open at once, please? These are recorded live over on twitch.tv slash master. And I'm always amused when the guests can't help themselves but read the chat as it's going by. <laughs> we can't help it. We love you. We want to talk to you. Genegademaster.com for all your other Master needs. Somebody sent me a donation for a foot rub this week. They knew they weren't going to get a foot rub, but it was nice that they thought the offer was there. Watch out for Ricky Gervais's Spy Moth, and I will catch you after this. Hello. Hello, Kathleen. Hello. It's lovely to be here. Hi. Having me. How Hello, are everyone. you? Do you want to tell everybody a little I... bit about yourself? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, as Jen mentioned, I am a comedian from Glasgow. Oh, that's kind of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, started, I started doing stand-up comedy. It was a New Year's resolution for me in 2020 because I loved comedy for years and years and years uh and I remember uh, being at like Christmas dinner with my friends uh, in 2019 and saying I'm going to do this finally and they were like brilliant we know you've really wanted to do that for a long time um <laughs> so then I did and then something happened um, <laughs> what happened nothing happened oh, I don't I don't it's not a big deal um <laughs> but come March it wasn't happening anymore so yeah um that's basically been it so I've been since uh, my experience as a comedian is very limited to COVID. Mm. <laughs> um, so that's been very exciting. But it has been really interesting because I've got to see kind of, I had such like a a love for comedy and stand-up. Yeah. And then there was this whole other level to it that I didn't even know people could do that they've all started doing. Okay. Um, and it's been very exciting to get involved with. So Yes, I'm fairly fresh. I would say fresh. Some might say inexperienced. Some might say who <laughs> I is would this never person? say such a thing. Jen, um, <laughs> I don't believe um, in it though. It's like because there's a good friend of mine who, really early on in their career, they were doing so because they're doing incredible things now, and they've only been going say like two years, right? Yeah. But the stuff they're achieving is remarkable, and yet. Like, I think they were sort of uh, 10, 15 gigs in and someone went, oh, the thing is, you're not a proper stand-up until you've done 100 gigs. 
and sure. she took that as a personal challenge and did a hundred gigs like within the year and it was like don't don't tell her what to do pal <laughs> you're right it's such a you know and especially just now when everything is completely um derailed mm-hmm. you know there is no saying anymore what a oh, comedian God, yeah. is or what stand-up is it's, mm. it's completely changed so it's been a, a very exciting time to start so um, have you been doing much during lockdown um, I've been doing some online gigs. Okay. I haven't gone to Twitch. Should I be in? Should I be on Twitch? Please get in. Listen, I'm like a Twitch pusher, right? I think everybody should be on Twitch. If you need help getting set up on Twitch, I will help set you up on Twitch. Thank you. See, I don't play a lot of games. That's the thing. But it's honestly, like- it's not even that anymore. It's not even that. There's like this kind of. Some people think it's all just games, and I think that's not really reflective of what it is anymore. Like, I play mm. games, but most of the time it's just mucking about. And, like, this podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Twitch, because I wouldn't have had that platform to have done such a thing, you know? And I think Twitch inspires, like, a real creativity that I think I lost the day that sort of stand-up died because of no reason in particular. Like, I lost a whole comedy community, like, overnight. And I've almost, I've, I've basically got that kind of community back just from doing this. Yeah. No, absolutely. And you see so much, um, exactly as you say, creativity and mm. things like that. I think I just need to push myself a little bit more and find <laughs> what my niche is. But I have been doing um, uh, online gigs and things like that. And mm-hmm. they have been as kind of weird and wonderful as uh, in person. I have had some really lovely ones. Yeah. I have had some where... The nice part is if you bomb, you're literally on the couch already. You don't even need to get a train. <laughs> you can just flop down and cry instead. It's fine. Uh, um, I had one which was like the, the loveliest gig ever. I had been as an audience member a few times and the host was just um, like the sweetest person in the world. Um, however, as she was introducing me, she was like, up next from Glasgow, we've got Kat. And then her computer completely died. Oh, no. Um, I was like, do I introduce myself? Because I know... <laughs> Were they also hosting um, the gig? Yeah. On the machine that died? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm like, I know it was me. Do I just start? What like, do you do? What did um, you do? So was, I, I, I kind of waited and I kind of I riffed. I don't know what I did. I went completely, my mind went completely blank, but that was fine. Um, <laughs> and as soon as I got started again, someone had their microphone switched on. Right. And just talked through the whole set. Um, so it's stuff like that that I think every so often I think um, oh I'm sat you know I was excited to get into comedy and and really experience like because this is something I've I've, you know thought about before I've never had something that I feel this excited to to be this bad at yeah like I've never had something that um, even as I'm not saying any of this in a self-deprecating way about myself I am very new at this you know and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I have something that I think um, I can't wait to be shit because that means next time <laughs> I won't be as shit. You know what I mean? Every single time I do this, if it's rubbish or not, is, is you know, a step to oh, being I slightly totally better. I feel that. I absolutely feel um, that. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what excites me about it so much. But you, it's hard to remember that that's your approach. Mm. You're trying to do jokes about sucking dick or something and some guy is talking over you <laughs> and you're like yeah I feel very profound about this um but the set was fine um in the end 
it was great people were very very nice and supportive but I was just kind of like oh I'm, I'm missing out on all these like new comedy experiences and everyone mm. has that like horror show gig that they get to tell people about um yeah and then I had it so I don't, <laughs> I don't think I've missed out too much so the tech gave you that at least then yeah exactly still got the horror show gig <laughs> and also semi-finalist so you think you're funny yeah I, I do I guess I do think that um yeah that was quite uh fun and surprising so essentially for I mean um anyone who's listening so you think you're funny as a national competition um which is nice because when I told my like parents that I was going in for it they were like oh okay um <laughs> and then I got through to the semi-finals and they actually looked it up and they were like oh, oh. Um, it's like the biggest comedy competition in the UK, I would say. Because you can uh, only do it once. It's like, you know, you do it once, you can never do it again. Yeah. It's like it's a big so deal. I'm, I'm really excited about it because I, you know, I told myself, I think everyone tells themselves when they go in for any sort of competition, if you're, you know, whatever your thing is, if you're a writer, you're submitting to yeah. magazines or whatever you think. I, I, I've done my best and I like it, so I, it doesn't matter what they think if I don't get through mm. and then on the night you're like I will be crushed yeah <laughs> this doesn't happen um you know when I <laughs> I was you know that's just kind of how the competitions are you know obviously you want through because you applied mm. um but I think genuinely like having that I don't know I I think part of me really it, it, it the heats are really great you were there for yourself like mm-hmm. um it's so much fun and seeing everyone else and I'm such a kind of I don't want to say like I I love people doing new comedy yeah like something that they've kind of written recently mm-hmm. because I'm like this comes from a very pure something has to have happened in your life that you thought I'm going to complain about yeah. this to strangers yeah yeah and we're all gonna laugh about it. <laughs> um I like hearing what people's like first set is you know mm-hmm. um so that was really exciting and I, I'm I feel a lot more, I think, genuinely calm um about the semifinals. <laughs> it's gonna be brilliant. Um if anyone fancies it, like the, the heats were great. So mm. I think I'm interested to know about your heat in terms of so I've said for my heat, I was genuinely surprised by how diverse it was. It was mm-hmm. lovely. It was like we had one person there who described themselves as a crossdresser. We had someone who had said that they were a lesbian. We had uh, a gay man was on there. I was queer. Chris Rio, who is somebody that I know, was also my he. He was he's also queer. It was just like a string of people that were in the LGBT plus community in some way. And then there was like one cis straight white guy at the end, <laughs> and he's the one that got flashed six times. I'm just saying. Just, you didn't oh. get didn't get any of that from the queer people. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, is your heat similar? Did you? Because we wondered if maybe they packed all the queer people into one heat. Maybe that was like their quota heat. <laughs> I don't think it was quite as diverse. But it was definitely like it wasn't. You know, sometimes you go to the comedy nights and it's like eight. <laughs> yeah. Of the same with brown hair and um, one woman and one woman um, and no people who aren't white and no people who are disabled or anything like that. Ours was quite diverse. Mm. But I had this like, thing where I, I was a bit self-conscious because I thought um, I was in a London heat. So yeah. I thought, oh, I'm going to be the only person with a Scottish accent. I'm going to be maybe the only like queer person. And a lot of my set is based around being bi. And I thought, well, maybe that will make me stand out. Maybe that will make me, you know, they'll remember me. Yeah. Um, be, being, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, I really need to represent 
bisexual people. There was like four of us. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's a lot more chill <laughs> about it now. Um, you know, yeah. and, and that's that's really wonderful and it's great. But I was sitting there and I was like, what if they don't like me? Because you know, I have this set that's like really based around sexuality, and maybe they think that's a bit like out there. It was, oh, if anything, it was it was tawdry. It was dry. <laughs> that's lovely it's something again that cropped up in the chris interview in that we were sort of saying it's really weird that you know like i've got a female friend for example that was once on once on a bill where the women were outnumbered by men called keith and it's like whereas if you're a queer person there's this really strange aspect of if you're on a bill with another queer person you go oh no are our acts too similar Oh, it's, it's, yeah. we, can't, we can't tell more gay stuff because what's going to happen and it's a nonsense because how many like cis straight wise guy, white guys go up there and just tell the same material as each other well that's exactly it like I, I remember when I was still like able to go into open mics already my like fourth one mm. I was like oh no there's another woman yeah Um, because I thought oh well they'll compare us to each other so I need to be better than her, you mm-hmm. know? And that it's not a thought that I'm proud of having. Um, but it is that's kind of what happens when you don't have the kind of diversity in lineups and you don't, you know, we don't say that we want to hear comedy yeah. from these different people. Mm-hmm. Is that already as like the babyest comedian ever, I was like, right, who do I, which woman do I need to beat <laughs> to be like the best woman on the thing? Which wow. is like I was the I was like the you know maybe that maybe that says more about me. Um, I don't think so. I, I genuinely think it. I think it's getting better, but I do think there is an aspect of that in comedy where it's like, well, the thing is, the default is the straight white cis man material, and then if you mm-hmm. want to get in, well, the two of you queer people are gonna have to battle it out. I'm afraid to the death. Exactly. exactly. Uh, I think I had this um, this thing in my head. My first like gig ever gig it was an open mic it was not a gig it's but still a gig my first open mic I went and it was this pub in the south side of Glasgow which is um the south side is like very queer mm. which is really nice um so I thought okay these are these are kind of my people and I turned up and it was um you know a lot of of young straight I mean I'm assuming but I think mm. a lot of young straight guys um and I got up and part for some reason I thought I should open my set with asking who else was bisexual and I hadn't planned what I would do when no one said <laughs> they were like my next joke hinged on some other someone saying yes going, yeah me I love the representation um so yeah it's just that's and I think that really threw me because in my head I was like well you know I mean like people people are aware of this now people talk about it now and then I got to the open mic and no one else was doing jokes about sexuality mm. I think I kind of panicked <laughs> um <laughs> and I thought if anyone else does jokes similar to this yeah might have to be better because they're gonna and it's I'm not a competitive person mm. do you know what I mean and it, it was quite it, it was really strange to me that that was something that I thought you know or something that mm. I experienced so I think that is you know when we're talking about uh, representation in comedy and diversity in comedy um that's something that I noticed like I'm glad I noticed it because I was able to kind of yeah say to myself you don't want to go down this road you want to you know support and listen to other people and you know their success doesn't hinder your success in mm. any way and you know that that's all good 
Um, but it is something that I noticed and I remember noticing very immediately. Yeah. It's wild that it kind of brings that out in people, isn't it? Because, I mean, I've seen it myself. It does. It definitely happens. And yet I think you've dealt with it the right way and that you've just got to kind of accept that you've noticed it. And I mean, my opinion on it is always that, like, two people could tell a bit, bit of material about the same topic and yet it will never be the same because your opinion on something will not be the same as my opinion on something so even if we talk about the same topic it's going to be a totally different set of jokes anyway exactly yeah because it's all about um, opinion isn't it yes and experience and mm. there's no way i think i think this is part of it as well that you have this kind of like tokenistic mm. approach to presentation that you know the same by jokes or the same gay jokes or the same trans mm. jokes are being told, yeah. you know um over again whereas if you have actually a lot of representation yeah you will notice that all people have different jokes and different experiences and it's not that you know <laughs> yeah that there is you know one I mean, person on every night i think it's that audiences are also more um as people kind of it becomes more of like a social thing that we discuss this with each other and we kind of grow mm-hmm. and experiment stuff together and um, you know i think audiences find lineups that are all straight white men and um, bland as well like a lot yep. of why comedy is good and makes us feel good is that we see ourselves represented and we say oh that's not just me yeah. and and we feel part of the joke and we relate to people um so it's really important to you know see actually see ourselves represented in whatever way that i mean i see that a lot in audiences and i'm I'm sure it's not true for all audiences because there will be pockets of places that aren't necessarily safe to do that kind of material Mm -hmm. but certainly like i mean i did a gig the other week in cardiff and in the lead up to a joke i told them that i was using she they pronouns they cheered spontaneously and i was like i wasn't expecting that i won't lie to you i was getting to a joke but they're like the fact that that's even a thing now was just so lovely. Like, no, nobody cares anymore. They're just all like, yep, go live your best life. Off you go. <laughs> I love that. It's really nice. Fine. Okay, do you want to tell us a little bit about um, how you found out that you weren't straight? Um, or did you always know? <laughs> I have this, like, memory from... I, w- I must have been, like, four or five. Um, so th- this was... Um, this is like the the cold open of my sexuality. <laughs> um, and nice. I'll come back to it and when I'm a teenager, um, I must have been like four or five. We went to see a pantomime in Edinburgh. It was Cinderella. Okay. And the woman who played Cinderella had beautiful hair, mm-hmm. and I literally could not concentrate. <laughs> I, did, I could not tell you where Buttons was. I could not tell you how the ball went. Like, I had no concept of what was happening in that room except that that woman was beautiful. <laughs> I just sat the whole... I, I was like, okay. <laughs> um, this is a thing. <laughs> okay. I, um, I was completely, like... I remember, like, thinking about her in the car home. Wow. You know, when you're little and you're like, look out the window and like look at the moon mm. and I was like she's the most beautiful person I've you know and I, I don't know why I don't know what in particular that I was just like mm. okay I get it but I really had this like you know when you're like a little kid and you 
have like a I don't know if you call it a crush or whatever but you yeah. you know um you think oh I love them they're beautiful that's how I felt about this woman mm-hmm. and I you know kind of completely forgot about that right. um for years and years and then in high school I think it was the usual kind of thing you just notice and I was very very interested in anything that was on um anytime there was like a I was going to say LGBT, but let's be honest, it was usually a gay storyline. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, good that we have that representation as well, but there just wasn't much mm. variation in different kind of gender and sexuality. Whenever there was a gay storyline on like Coronation Street or EastEnders, I would watch it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, whereas every other night I would go up to my room. So like Christian and Saeed on EastEnders, I don't know if you remember. Um which when I look back now was like not yeah. <laughs> a good or healthy relationship. <laughs> um, at the time, I was just like, this is the best telly that's ever been made. Riveted. Um, <laughs> just yeah. like riveted by it. Um, yeah, I was, I was absolutely engrossed. And then, you know, I, I just started realizing that when people around me, not necessarily like my family, but just I would hear people have like homophobic and transphobic opinions. Mm. didn't. The nice thing is he didn't have biophobic opinions because he didn't mm. have any mm. opinions <laughs> on bisexual people because he didn't think there were any. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's always the way. that, which mm. is um, horrible in its own way, but also fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just realised it like heart deep. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. I knew it was it was bad and it was it was wrong and that I disagreed with it. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. I, I started to take it, like, personally mm-hmm. um, and, you know, just had to, like, think about that a little more. And I had, like, some friends um, in school and stuff who were very, like, luck- luckily, they were kind of more tuned in than I was. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they were kind of open about their sexuality and, like, happy to discuss it and happy to talk about it. And I think through that, I just kind of, I remember coming home. I was like first year of uni I came home to my mom and dad's where I still lived and I was very very drunk and I just like cried <laughs> um and came out and they were like okay they were like and really didn't know what to mm. say, I guess like I, I think in some ways it would have been not easier for them but yeah. they would have understood it better if I had said I was a lesbian yeah um and I also didn't say the word bisexual because that was a like a no-go um that was just not like a a word that was used to describe anyone Mm -hmm. um you know it didn't mean anything so why would you why would anyone call themselves that but unless they were like joking Mm. um i remember this is not that long ago like i uh i'm almost 26 Mm. and this was when i was in first year uni so you know less than Mm. 10 years ago yeah yeah um bisexual was kind of like shorthand for someone who was like a bit of a deviant or someone who was like super slutty (laughs) Mm. Um, someone who was like um any character who was like quite mysterious and sexy and you know it it meant that they were sexy but untrustworthy yeah (laughs) um all the greedy and promiscuous trope stuff Which are all words I would use to describe myself. But, um, <laughs> for separate reasons. Um, for, yeah, not for that. Um, so yeah, I remember very like very carefully not saying mm. that. 
Um, and I think that just threw up more kind of confusion about whether this was just like a, she is very drunk and she's saying she likes Skittles. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we kind of didn't, I don't know, talk about it again for a while. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, that That was a, a brief history of my entire <laughs> Um, I'll be honest, I've basically had almost exactly the same coming out experience that you did in that mm. it was like my parents, because I'd moved back in my parents after I got divorced, long story, but I was living with them for a bit and they'd gone on holiday and while they were on holiday I went out on a date with a girl for the first time and when they came home, the night before they came home I was sobbing my heart out, I was thinking I'm going to have to tell them I like it's not going to work out with this girl but I know that that's now a thing I know that that's something I would want to do again so I was just sobbing and then they got home and I did something similar to you where I was just like I went on a date with a girl and I understand if it like, means you don't love me as much or, or anymore or what have you and it's like you just think I did exactly the same as you I didn't use the word because I didn't know that I knew the word I didn't know what the label was to a degree I still don't but it's interesting that we've kind of like if I was just a lesbian, I could have gone right. I'm a lesbian. Whereas, it's like, there's a little bit of nuance to it, I guess. So it's harder to explain to parents who aren't necessarily a hundred percent on board with it. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's a very strange thing because you know I don't mean to like suggest that you know oh we really have it tough. Us, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's weird when you have you know at least they know what a lesbian is. Mm. You know when they conceptualize what that means and um i think maybe to an extent maybe my parents did think that i i meant that yeah um, yeah yeah so then when i uh had a boyfriend again <laughs> they were very pleasantly <laughs> surprised oh. all that I was all done with um that was a phase yeah. we're done <laughs> um but i was still very bisexual and i think it's like interesting as well like i i probably you know in terms of um terminology i'm probably more pan but mm. it's i've all i've always kind of used bisexual and i feel quite attached to it i guess because yeah. i was so defensive of it when i was younger and like i remember having arguments with people before i even really knew that i was bisexual and mm. um, the you know i remember arguing saying they are real and how can that not be real and how, yeah. you know you don't understand and things like that and I think from that, I really internalised this, like, being protective over it. Mm. Um, that makes so I sense. think that will be me forever. Yeah. I mean, I, I like it. I hope so. <laughs> what, what do you see, then, as the difference between bi and pan? Because I know it means different things to different people. So what does it mean to yeah. you? Um, the way that, I don't know, the way I, I see a lot of people describe it is, um, you know, bisexual is an attraction to you know all genders mm-hmm. um or i guess more than one gender i the way i use it for myself would be all genders mm. um and pansexual being an attraction to people regardless of their gender and um, right, so right. i think it is really i think those are similar mm-hmm. um and i think sometimes people who aren't bi or pan really like they want to know like but what is exactly <laughs> the difference there and it's like it really is what that person <laughs> feels like like it's what it's what word that person prefers mm-hmm. you know they don't, we don't really need to get into and labels can be great you know labels can make you feel very like you belong and you're involved and oh that's what that is and yeah recognized um but I think getting into the like 
making like a pansexual person explain precisely why they won't <laughs> use the word bisexual is, you know it's just, one of those, it's just I don't know I just like that one you know mm. um so that's how that's how I think of the difference but you know if if another bisexual person told me they thought differently or a pansexual person yeah. told me you know no that's not exactly why I use it then you know that's part of the the joy of being queer is that we don't fit in and we <laughs> describe ourselves the way we want and it's you know? great That's, isn't it and it's great not fitting in <laughs> <laughs> i think i'm probably leaning more towards pan these days but like I, I think the same as you really i think for me it's like being pan to me personally is kind of like a like I might see someone on the tube and go, oh, I'm really like I really fancy their wrist or whatever. I go, oh, I really fancy that. That's a really attractive wrist. I'm really into it. Like regardless of what they are, I think it's more like a person thing. I guess like I connect with a person before noticing a gender. I guess is my aspect of it. But then equally, I would happily call myself bi and do to any of the cishets who don't know what a pansexual is because that's the thing that's still a problem. Yeah. What, exactly. I'm pansexual. What's that? Do you know what? I'm bi. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> and sometimes, like, I think this is part of it as well. You know, there's this argument that I think the LGBT community will have ad infinitum. Um, should we tell people then? Mm. You know, is it is it our responsibility to explain to someone what a pansexual person is? Mm. Um, and you know, I. I think that that is a strange thing to, I don't know, a strange responsibility to give people who are, you know, that's a very intrinsic part of yourself and your mm. um, identity and who you are. And you don't necessarily, you don't have to share that with people who might not be, you know, willing to yeah. receive it. It's almost um, like asking you to explain yourself, like a key part of you <laughs> as a human. Explain yeah. why that's a thing. No, mm. but off. <laughs> And I have a lot of admiration for, I think I, you know, would be happy to do it for bisexuality, but that's because I am happy to do it, you know, and I have a lot of admiration for people who, you know, take the time to explain their thoughts and explain queer theory and all this to people who are asking, because mm. maybe their ignorance is genuine, yeah. um, you know, rather than not wanting to respect people. But, um, you know, I think it's, if you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. You know, at least you say you don't have to ex- explain yourself in any way. Hundred percent, I agree. Um, so you mentioned a little bit there about um, struggling to sort of maybe express bisexuality within your family. Have you got like a supportive family? Are they up up with all the queer lingo and stuff? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I I actually can really see from when I think of them the you know, the way that we talk about it now is so much healthier. Mm. Um, I think part of that is I have a, um, so my partner just now is a heterosexual man. Mm-hmm. And I think that takes away some of the scariness of it. Because right. if, if discussing it when I had, when I was going out with someone who, you know, was another woman or um, someone who's non-binary, they're talking about my partner. Do you know what I mean? And that means that um, it's easy for stuff to be a little bit, Depends. Like when I had a girlfriend and I wanted to her to meet my parents, I was a little mm. bit nervous because I thought, well, if they, you know, if they have any questions, they might not want to ask because they think that I'll think they don't like her. Yeah. Or, you know, um, so I think with my partner now, they feel a little bit safer because it's 
it's clearly not about him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I think that's you know. So do they a ask bit... questions? Not really. Okay. If I'm honest, um, <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's out of any. Like I, I would never kind of bring that up as a thing against them. We're just kind of. I also don't talk about it very much, and I think that that's something that as I get a bit older, mm. um, I also have to become comfortable with. You know, it's it is you know easy and fair to say I don't know if my parents want to talk about this um but I think as well and maybe from kind of insecurities when I was a teenager I've fallen into the the loop of well if they don't want to hear about it I'm not going to talk about it yeah <laughs> like, yeah you know when that can be hard and it's another thing that's like not anyone's responsibility mm-hmm. but sometimes you need to take a, like a big girl deep breath and say hey you know um I want you to be part of that because it's part of me. Mm. And you know, stuff happens in your life. Like I, um, I had a story about like an ex of mine that I wanted to tell my mom about because it was, you know, it was funny. Yeah. Um, and but she didn't really know this girl very well, so I had to kind of explain, <laughs> um, the story to her. Um, and it's just little things like that that, you know, I I want my parents to be part of me, uh, and yeah. they want to be part of me too. So I need to kind of show it to them because I you know I feel safe and I feel loved so that's nice you know I I'm mm. I, grateful um have they seen fun. any of your stand-up <laughs> so they weren't allowed okay um <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even so much that it was about being bi it's that there was a lot of jokes about uh shagging and oh. <laughs> okay very Catholic. um <laughs> yes yeah, so we're quite a Catholic family so I always feel a little bit awkward talking about sex yeah this is kind of the thing like I don't actually think it matters really what gender my partner is but um (laughs) you know if we stay at my mom and dad's there is an understanding of what goes on in that bedroom yes you know (laughs) there is nothing untoward um which is it's their house you know that's fine um (laughs) but I, I just felt a bit weird um but also because they they know my partner and they get along with him really well so the 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 stuff I've kind of been working on recently, you know, the set I've been doing recently, um, there are jokes about him and there are jokes about sex and there are jokes about having sex with women. And it was all just a bit, I thought you're going to watch this and then we're all going to have to go out to dinner. We're all going to have to have a chat. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, at first I was kind of like, listen, thank you for being very supportive, which they are and which I love. Um, they always like message me and ask me how it's going um but they say will we not come and i say yeah i think that would be for the best maybe yeah, we think that's for the best because <laughs> they don't want to think about it um but now, now they're allowed um, okay and i think again that that's like a kind of self-confidence thing for me as well and i just kind of have to think we're all adults yes you know it is um, hard though, isn't it? I think sometimes it's hard to get out of that mentality. Like I think my parents still think that I'm a little kid sometimes. Definitely. Um, and it's just a bit, you know. You don't, of... don't want to like swear in front of your mum, do you? You know, it's that, it's that level. That's <laughs> why my parents exactly. don't come because they know that I swear and they don't like it. So it's like, I'm not going to go. But like my oh, sister yeah. has been, so they've heard secondhand what some of the material is about. I just don't want us all to be in the car back. So that's that story about shagging behind the bins of Sainsbury's. Was that true, Catherine? Yeah, exactly. 
No. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's and it's especially like I was talking about before, like I think that um you know, a lot of comedy is very cathartic and um, you know, you're telling stories about something that happened to you and you want people to go, Oh god, yeah, I can relate to that. Um so you are kind of you know, letting you're extending a hand to people to kind of delight mm. <laughs> and awkward things that have happened to you and weird stories and um yeah i want to extend that hand to my mom and dad all the same <laughs> <laughs> they don't need to identify with that i guess they're fine yeah they're set they're okay as we're talking about material do you want to talk a little bit about um about it being accessible comedy as a sort of platform for lgbt plus people yeah um absolutely so i have two like strong opinions on this and they're both completely conflicting oh okay <laughs> i love it this <laughs> us bisexuals are so flaky um <laughs> so my first there's a kind of um i don't know if it's like kind of trendy in comedy just now but to talk about like um essentially to put like a funny hat on a trauma um <gasps> yeah. which i actually really enjoy so that's part of one of the reasons that i was like i am gonna do this is that I went to see Kitty Pritchard McLean. She had mm. an amazing tour. She's wonderful. Um, she's so amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I'll get, I'll honestly get like derailed if I start talking <laughs> about her. But I like she had this show called Victim Complex. Yes, that I don't know if you saw. Um, essentially, it was about her relationship where her partner had been cheating on her, mm-hmm. um, and then was gaslighting her about that, and you know, giving it. I, I can't believe you would think that and essentially she she told this like narrative story like people is the only comedy gig I've ever been at where we all gasped mm. at a plot point mm-hmm. <laughs> we all went oh my god I can't believe you did that after you know and she told this like long involved beautiful horrible story mm-hmm. um, about her relationship and what she had learned from it and how she had grown through it um, and it was just absolutely amazing. And I thought, I feel really like lighter. Yeah. Having heard that. And I was there with, you know, people who had also been through difficult relationships. And I, you know, could relate to some parts myself. And it, every, it felt like everyone in the room was just like, oh, you know, and they just, we were just all kind of relaxed. And it was like cathartic and it was brilliant. And I think that is kind of when I think about comedy and queer people that experience is so valuable um to you know be able to talk about ourselves and think about ourselves in a safe Mm. space and say hey let's talk about this you know let's talk about this scary thing that is hard and let's all laugh at it Um, and I think as well you're it's like I said before you're like extending your hand essentially to people who might not get you in another mm. context you know they might not agree with you you're saying I'm going to make a joke about me you can come to yeah. but you have to respect my perspective on this I'm telling the joke I'm writing it yeah you know um and it is a really like gorgeous thing that happens and people laugh because they feel like we are all in on the joke and we are all in the group and we're all part of it do you know what I mean so I think I have a lot of kind of admiration and awe for 
queer comedians mm. um, who talk about stuff like this um you know and they say we, we can we can all come and talk about this I'm actually inviting you to come and have this difficult conversation in a way that makes you feel good Do you know what I mean in a way that is fun for you and is a release for you um and I think that's like just wonderful like incredible and um, there's a I want to say like um when I think about this I think about this amazing comedian called Jen Ives oh my um, god I love her I've been on a bill with her she's incredible she's so good she's so she, good um please look at Jen Ives if you don't know who she is because she's so good yeah go now and her twitter output is something else um she's absolutely amazing and she's been doing um so she's a trans woman and she um has been doing like sets about being trans and Mm. jokes about that and she did a like a a trailer for her new set it's called peak trans and she was using like yeah clips of this transphobic transphobic asshole who's directly talking about her (laughs) well exactly like who's i don't remember this one saying it doesn't matter no it doesn't matter he's directly like criticizing jen and jen was like using clips of her and putting it into her trailer (laughs) of her being hilarious and funny and then this woman there's some quote where she's like begrudgingly i have to admit she's very funny yeah i forgot about that (laughs) She actually, she misgenders Jen the whole way through it. I know, it's fucking um, outrageous. And it is, you know, that's one of those things where, like, I wouldn't, I'm not saying that, oh, this is the way we have to stand up to them, because it's not, like, that's personal and that's hurtful. Mm-hmm. But Jen was, you know. Just completely owned it. it, I think that's, like, I watched that trailer and I could, uh, it was the misgendering for me. I was just, like, had my mouth open for almost the entire trailer, thinking, I cannot believe this woman is saying what she's saying. And then the fact that Jen's just splicing it in with bits of her set, I was thinking, you, my friend, have just got, you're just the, like, there's it something like about a you. Horrible and insulting yeah. thing for this woman to do to another person. Mm-hmm. And via, you know, her writing and her comedy, yeah. Jen was like, let's talk about it. Jen's just reclaimed let's it entirely. It. Um, and this is the kind of thing I mean, like, I, I love that and you know as queer people and how we're it, it's saying you know we're having this conversation and you can be part of it mm. but you need to understand that this is from our perspective you need to listen and understand how my experiences to be in on this joke but come on in jen's you know? a really interesting example for that because when you were talking about kiri i think what was going through my head is that like i find that such a skill to be able to do to talk about something so so dark and still make it funny like a lot of my comedy comes out the fact that i was in a narcissistic marriage it was awful like all all the gaslighting all of that stuff all true and i think there's a part of me that's really really scared to go too deep into it so i make kind of surface level jokes about lol this funny thing happened oh isn't he terrible and the idea of going deep into it i think it just scares me i haven't got the skill to get us back out again because i'm all like happy jolly hey we've got a ukulele I don't know that I've got the skill to go really dark into it and then bring us back out again. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, neither. I don't think I do at all. But I think it's so, um, you know, so impressive and that's has its own place. But the other, you know, my other strong opinion is that that is also like comedy's fun, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and queer people shouldn't 
you know, I have to go, here's every horrible thing that happened to me, um, but it, I will make it funny. You know, that doesn't need to be <laughs> everything that happens. Um, or not even just queer people, people mm. in general, comedians in general, you know. Um, if you are comfortable and you want to talk about it and it's something that people can relate to, that's wonderful. Um, if you write a song that makes people laugh, that is also wonderful. You know, comedy yeah, doesn't yeah. always can just be, be fun. Well, exactly. Like it doesn't. The whole point <laughs> mm. of it, you know, the 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 amount of time and and work that people put into just want to make like hundreds of people laugh. Mm. That's it. Do you know what I mean? And that is a really, you know, pure pursuit. And people, you know, become comedians that are complete arseholes. Oh yeah. Not, you know, same with all some like, um, we don't, we're all really doing the world a service. So, um, <laughs> I think it depends like which point you come from, doesn't it? Because some do it because it's like, hey, I just want people to love me. And then some people do it because it's like, oh my God, if I've made somebody laugh, that's the best feeling in the world. And yeah. I mean that's the reason I do it because I get I get literally nothing at my own material. I listened back to the last week's gig and I was like, yeah, it's fine, it works. I could have done that better. I could have got there quicker. Instead, like I couldn't give a shit about my own material. Almost, it's like as long as it made somebody laugh, as <laughs> long as they had a good time, that's all I care yeah. about. Um, I did want to ask you if you'd seen Daniel Sloss's bit on his friend that had raped another friend of theirs. Yeah. Because I find that, for me, here's the ironic thing. I can't even remember what the punchline is. But the mm. fact that he basically takes him down a road for five minutes where he talks about the guilt about not doing anything to stop this guy before it happened. He felt like he could have done something. He saw he was a bit of a wrong and never tackled him. And mm. then he ended up doing that horrific thing. And Daniel Sloss felt bad about it. And then he tells a punchline at the end that makes you laugh. And I think for me, every time I watch that piece of material, I think that's the skill I'm talking about in that he's taken you to such a dark place and yet he's broken it immediately with one punchline. Couldn't tell you what the punchline is because it was so overwhelmed with the other stuff. But the fact that he's able to do that, I genuinely laugh at that clip. And I just think, how have you made it so that I'm laughing at this clip? Yeah, it's bizarre. And it's, it's, it is like a very weird... You could get into the whole psychology of it that I don't know anything about. I can pretend. <laughs> go, go on, but, pretend. It's about um, your opi- opinions, this podcast. I never claimed it was scientifically accurate. <laughs> um, that's a guarantee. That's a guarantee. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, it's... Well, exactly. Um, I lost my train of thought now. One second. You know Vic Slayton, don't you? Yes, I know. Yes. Yeah. Um, I had a really interesting chat with her as well in because she's got a piece of material about a guy that made her feel really uncomfortable on a tube. And mm-hmm. it was like she somehow managed to turn that into basically this joke about, I think it was something about, oh, my, do you want to try my shoes on or something? I kind of can't even remember. And she'll, she'll kill me for not remembering the material properly. I'm sorry, it's stream of brain. That's what happens. Um, but yeah, she like she was, I think she agonized about doing like a serious piece and still making it funny. It's, it's the same kind of worry that I think that we've got in this idea about can you make it funny enough to take people on that journey? And maybe it's just one of those things we've just got to trust in ourselves a bit more. Just go for it. Try it. I think so as well, because it's like, yeah, on one hand I do, <clears throat> you know, maybe it's not what people are necessarily kind of signing up for mm. um, in terms of, 
you know, I think that well, I that's not my opinion, but I can see why that's an argument people have. It's comedy. It's supposed to be lighthearted. It's supposed to be a fun night out. Um, yeah. I do also think that like the most kind of cathartic way to process emotions is to talk about them and mm. to laugh and you know um it's it's there's something very strange about being in a room full of strangers laughing at someone else's trauma yeah. that sounds like a horrible yeah yeah <laughs> horrible situation to be in <laughs> but um when it is a trauma that you can connect to or something that you've experienced and you think everyone around me gets it and I've I've thought for years that no one got it yeah and everyone else is laughing not at me Mm -hmm. but about this yeah Um, they're laughing with uh, your opinion that's what's happening exactly um that is such a like special experience as an audience Mm -hmm. member um so you know I, I I hope one day that that is kind of what I can do I can't now but Monday um and as I say like I think as much as that is valid um there is just as much room for escapism and stuff that is fun and silly and like it doesn't all have you don't have to like pour your heart out every time you're on stage Mm. you know um a good example of that is I was in the heat for the musical comedy awards and I think that's how I got COVID, right? Because it literally happened oh. in March, the, literally before everything kicked off. So I was in a heat in March. I was incredibly ill very shortly afterwards. So I'm relatively sure that's how I got it. But at the Musical Comedy Awards heat that I was in, there was a guy who I think is, is his name. I'm going to say a name. It might not be his name, but I'm relatively sure it's his name. I think it was Richard Lindsay. And his entire okay. act, right, was he was just playing, a fl- uh, he was playing recorders, right firstly in his mouth then with his nose and then he just kept adding recorders so at one point he was playing like seven recorders and it's so ludicrous but it's like there's no deeper level to that that's just a man playing a bunch of recorders but there's something really funny with a different orifice each time no most of it was in his nose almost he had like at least four or five in his nose couple in his mouth it was it was something else (laughs) I'd never seen wow. anything like it. And I thought, do you know what? If you want light-hearted comedy, that's it. Right yeah, there. Exactly. <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes things are just silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're fun. And that's all it, you know, needs to be. And there are plenty of people who can't do... I o- overthink absolutely everything. I would love to write something <laughs> and go, that's just silly. It's just fun. Um, do you write any music? I... No. Would you? <laughs> um, I would, you know... I was very much like a musical theatre person at uni. Yeah. Um, by which I mean I was in musicals in the chorus, um, not in any way. Okay. When I say a musical theatre person, I feel like some something comes to mind of like someone who is like a showman or like a great singer or something. I very much learned the dance. Right. But I had a great time. Um, so I, I love that kind of side of and I love um like musical comedy mm-hmm. I just think it's this this whole other layer of and level of skill that I'm completely like stupefied by so I didn't play um, any musical instruments until I started comedy and I literally oh, okay. learned the ukulele because I wanted to sing a song about wanting to bang Greg Davis that's the only reason I can play the ukulele 
And the weirdest thing is I've found sometimes the stuff that I write that I can't find a way to make funny in a joke, but I can write a song about it. And it's, I think it's something about the fact that it restricts you. So because you're trying to rhyme stuff, you've got an extra layer of having to fit to certain rules. And in a way, yeah. that sometimes helps my brain because it's like, no, well, it has to fit into this rhyming couplet. Therefore, get on with it. Pick up the ukulele, it's well easy. <laughs> it's only four strings. How did the song go? <laughs> I can't sing the song. Well, no, in um, case Greg Davies is watching. No, oh, well, I have performed it in front of Rich Wilson. And there is a part of the song where I base. Well, before I start singing the song, I basically go, if anybody knows Greg Davis, don't tell him. And I had to say to Rich Wilson's face, I went, if anybody knows Greg Davis, Rich. And he was like, hiya. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, that's quite stressful. People have sent it to him. And he's never said anything. So I don't know if he's ever looked at it and gone, oh, so you look like a massive stalker. I'm not going to go anywhere near you, thanks. Did they send it with your consent? It's on YouTube. I've, I've got no... Well, do you know what I mean? It's there. It's on yeah. the internet. Public domain, really. But yeah. it, it upsets me because it's a really shit version because it's, it's gotten better since I recorded that video. And it's like, well... I've improved on it since then. It's funnier now. <laughs> Greg, this is the update. Uh, Greg, Greg, just I, I added a new line, pal. If you just want to <laughs> just watch the new version. Thank you. The whole video involves me using like a little mini Greg Davis standy because I couldn't afford the, the full ones, right? If you want a full life-size celebrity, they're like 50 quid. And oh, they're exhaustion. They only go up to six foot one. So, well, that's no good. That's, that's not life-size. He's like, he's like a six, eight. Lads, come on, sort yourselves out. Yeah. So I just bought a little mini one for like 20 quid instead and I used forced perspective to make it look bigger. <laughs> I used forced perspective. I got one of those booster seats. <laughs> I just put him closer to the camera. It was a dream. In fact, there was someone in the chat earlier called Jen who was actually with me and she did a lot of... I was walking down the street while she held up a Greg Davis to the camera so it looked like he was massive and we were walking next to each other. <laughs> That's a true friend. That's true friendship right there, that is. <laughs> um, I just want to take this moment to remind chat that if there's any questions that you want to ask Kathleen, please do, because I am reading chat. And hi to everybody that's in there. Um, so, moving on then. In terms of lockdown, mm. how have you kept, well, have you been able to keep in touch with any sort of like LGBT plus community? Has there been any social stuff or like have you found people? Uh no, that's a good question. Mm. Um, and it's something that, like, so I, as I mentioned before, have a heterosexual boyfriend. He's, like, absolutely wonderful. Um, and I love him very much. However, he is the, the straightest man in the world. Um, <laughs> and sometimes it's just a little bit kind of, I've like, I've had this discussion very openly with him as, as well. So I'm not airing or laundry or anything like that. Um <laughs> He knows you're but, a stand-up, right? That's part of the deal now. Yeah. <laughs> he signed up for it. He's okay. Um, no, like, he's... You know, I've said to him before, if, if I am with him for the rest of my life, I'm happy with that, mm -hmm. you know? Or, you know, when I think about being with him for the rest of my life, I'm like, that makes me feel safe. That makes me feel happy. Brilliant. Love him. Great. Couldn't ask for anything more. Except that that also... The same thought in my head is, does that mean... I will never like date or sleep with or have a long term meaningful relationship with any other queer people ever again. Mm. Um, 
and you know he's very understanding about that and has said you know if I if I like want to date other women or want to have sex with other women you know if that is fulfilling to me then I can do that um, mm. and he stops wanking long enough to tell me that um, <laughs> no so but really genuinely like he is very like supportive of that sort of thing so we have talked because we the reason I'm saying this is because we moved in together during COVID oh um, wow so that's been quite intense and it's nice because like I you know I genuinely feel like way more secure in our relationship than I ever have but being bi and n- like not having a queer partner the kind of internalized biphobia queerphobia mm. is that I now think then oh right okay so I've I've given up that essentially you know that's a part of my life that I'm no longer part of um mm. and it's I think over the past year or so it's been a real struggle to like reconvince myself that you know I'm not I was bisexual before I met him yeah and he has absolutely no bearing on my identity and it's mm-hmm. true of everyone you know people who are queer and are single are still queer and yeah. people who are bi and have partners who are different gender or whatever they're still bi um so that that's been kind of I I feel like I've really kind of had to mm. take little teenage Kathleen's hands and be like <laughs> come on we're going to rediscover ourselves um mm. so that that's been quite nice because it's as I say he's very supportive I downloaded Tinder again, <laughs> um, which I haven't been on in four years since I met him. Uh, and I saw all the women and all of the uh, fun queer people, and I immediately deleted Tinder again. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I have to ask, right? Did you exchange any messages with any women? because they're all so beautiful and intimidating oh okay is that the reason because in my experience right they're so beautiful and they're incredible but oh my god right so many of them will just write to you and they go hey and then that's it or you might get into you might get into a conversation for like a week and then it just immediately tells off because no everyone's too scared to ask each other out if you're both women everyone's just Uh like i'm just i'm just gonna let it slide whereas i think if it was with the fella they'd be like right let's go get some coffee yeah, they're confident. I, it, mm. I think it's part of it as well is that, like, I've maybe I've settled into a kind of um, monogamous, um, <laughs> I don't know the word, is it just like a, we have a routine now. I feel like a married couple, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, um, just chilling. Damn, you and in a stable it, relationship? I know. <laughs> um, and the sex is good because once you've gone out with women, you do have like a minimum standard. Oh, good. Um, okay. You know, no, but I do just think like once you, you know, have have kind of explored your sexuality in and of yourself, mm. it kind of means that you've also done stuff that, you know, you might be a bit nervous about mm. otherwise. And mm. I think like the way I feel about like, do men find me attractive enough? And, um, you know, do men want to have sex with me? When I was younger, that mattered to me and it doesn't now. Okay. You know? um i'm i feel really like settled um so yeah i, I kind of went the other way i think in that like i started mm-hmm. seeing women and I'm, i agree with you in terms of it gives you a higher standard sexually because you're like well look if you were a woman this would be far better but <laughs> i went the other way in the terms of that when i date women i feel really comfortable and fine with who i am when i date men i get into this really weird like feminine role again where it's like oh, i need to make sure my legs are shaved and i need to look a certain way and i'm too overweight to go out with that guy and all this kind of stuff 
It, it gives me a really weird complex dating men. I don't know what it is. I never had that Sorry. before I dated women. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I, I did kind of have that. And actually, I may go back through mm. it again. Like, all this can change. But I think when I think of how I'm attracted to women, I think it's actually something you talked about with John the other night. If I saw someone who looked exactly like me, I would be like, she's, mm-hmm. she's looked great. You know what I mean? But I, I can't look at myself and have that same thought process yeah. at all. Um, and I, you know, when you go, when you're attracted to women, you go out with women and you see women and you sleep with them and they have um, stretch marks like you have and they have uh, hairy legs like you have and they have jiggly bits like you have and you think she looks amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think maybe to me, it just kind of solidified this idea in my head that like, if men don't like that, I don't have to tell myself that then I need to change it. I can tell myself there are plenty of people who do. Oh, you know? I love that. That's such um, a much more healthy outlook. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's one you need to work on. That wasn't overnight. Um, <laughs> but it's just like, you being attracted to those things is the first kind of stepping stone of, oh, I am attractive. Yeah, yeah. You know? And kind of men who, I don't know, for any reason might want to make women feel insecure about their bodies or make women feel like they mm. have to things or whatever. Um, yeah. Just like get on our level, really. Maybe some of that baggage has come from my horrific marriage in fairness like because a lot of that was part of the problem i mean it ties in interestingly to gender i think as well because it's like i started using she they pronouns literally in the last few weeks and the final sort of trigger point for that was on the basis that i had a day where i was feeling a bit shitty about my own body and yet then i drove back from a supermarket and i felt really masculine all of a sudden like you know i had my hair scraped back in a baseball cap because it was so hot so i was all hiding all this i felt really really masculine and I suddenly felt like, I'm some hot shit. Do you know what? When I'm masked, I'm, I'm hot shit. I, I love it. I would date me, no problem. And I think I hit the point where I was just like, do you know what? Sometimes I'm going to have days where my gender isn't exclusively cis woman. And mm-hmm. that's okay. And it's if you feel better that day being a bit more masculine, maybe that's not a problem. Totally. I love that. And I think that I, yeah, I relate to that experience a bit. I still mm. don't really know. Um, I also kind of tentatively use she and they. Um, I'm still kind of trying to deconstruct for myself, like how much of that is um, that I don't want to be what I thought women were supposed to be like. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, what you know, when you're younger, and is is that is it the exact like headspace that I was talking about at the start of like comparing yourself to other comedians who are mm. women, um. You know, when you're in school and you're like good at a boy thing. Yeah. So you get praised because you're special and you're not like a girl. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm um, not like other girls. Yeah, exactly. I'm not like <laughs> um, um, Yeah, like, you, you know, it's like a special thing to be more like men or mm. to be, you know, to do man things which are important and uh, girl things that are, you know, stupid. And who cares if you're good at them? Mm. Um, so I think he even you know, as an adult, as I get older, there is still an element of, you know, not wanting, you know, to be seen to be good at man things. And I think especially, like, if you're in any sort of, like, entertainment career, yeah, um, that is something that you'll think you're over. Yeah. 
and then you start working with men and seeing men do well and you know Mm. it's not to say that these men aren't very hardworking and very talented but you know loads of women who are too you just know it's a bit stacked in their favor don't you that's the thing isn't it um so i don't know how much of it is deconstructing you know that as an adult obviously I'm, i'm able to to look and see and say yeah what you know women are successful and they're successful in their own in different way mm. and also in a lot of the same ways um and it's just not recognized um as much and yeah. um, there are so many things women can do that i you know was taught not to and also feelings like um from a young age you know that it's absolute like horseshit that you're not supposed to be angry because oh, you God. feel it so, yeah you know, um, you're allowed emotions, um, but not specifically that one. It, well, exactly. You cry instead. Do yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. Um, and it's you know, you know, at age, I don't know, three, four, five, as a girl, that it's not fair. I remember being like that age and just thinking, this, like, I know this isn't fair. Mm-hmm. I'm allowed to be angry if I want, you know, um, and not realizing until I was a, a grown woman that. I still have that feeling. I still feel that small, you know, when someone acts as if I shouldn't be upset about something or someone acts like I shouldn't um, give a shit really because it's, you know, I should be a lot more diplomatic. And I, I think people who know me should would describe me as kind of a, you know, a patient diplomatic person, but that's not because I'm a woman, Yeah, you know? the way that my personality is anyway that (laughs) and then how much of it is my actual genuine i just rather not have a gender Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. i would just like to switch off because i i remember kind of when i was a teenager as well kind of realizing that i could just do that i would be like extremely stressed and it's something that i've you know for years and years have just been like stressed out anxious person at like telling myself that I could actively go in and just like switch off gender yeah for a while mm. was like oh, okay one less thing to think about um and it's exactly as you said that can be really like freeing mm. you know because you're like oh all all these things about what I think I have to be and how I have to act are actually complete they're made up yeah 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 you know? I think there's a um, huge part of it for me where it's just I hate what they expect women to be as a thing where it's mm-hmm. just like women should be this women should look this way women should do whatever and then I mean I th- would say there is a whole other layer on top of that where I think there are certain women that are also ruining what it means to be a woman by which I mean fucking transphobes you sit there going oh my god you're attacking cis women but I think I always think you're not speaking for me I don't align with you in any way, shape or form. And if I have to align with you, I don't identify with what you're saying I should be. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if that's an extra layer to it or not, but it makes me think about it. Definitely. And this is something that I always find really bizarre when we're talking about like transphobia and people and transphobia and also um, this complete disregard for non-binary identities Mm. like you know that doesn't exist it's not a thing Mm. when people when these transphobes make these jokes that are like oh so can i just like identify as a microwave now Mm. can i just change pronouns it's like yeah kind of (laughs) (laughs) 
that is actually kind of what we're saying like we that gender is a thing that we made up and we can make it up again like we can change it yeah that's so true it is true <laughs> you, you can totally just change your pronouns at any point mm. if you don't want to that's fine um i mean it's like a I'm, shit joke and you can write much better material but sure silly. i will not forgive lazy joke writing i know right like, I know, cardinal sin. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, they are transphobes, which is much worse. But still, um, <laughs> you can actually, like, it's this idea that we are, um, sorry, I, I am reading your chat. Samurai Jamie just said, Sam Jam, um, that is the only joke transphobes have. Uh, uh, you're 100% right. Um, and it's sad when people like Ricky Gervais are using it, isn't it? Think mm-hmm. how much money that man's got and he's still making that joke. Anyway, pay someone else to write a joke that's not transphobic. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, um, he literally does it, it in series two of Afterlife. It's about episode six. He make basically there's a guy who's like I identify as an eight year old girl, and it's like, do you know what? Fuck off. <laughs> I've never finished that series because I thought I the fact that you've decided to you've made a choice to put your transphobic repackaged joke in this series that's meant to be nice and serious and lovely fuck you basically bin it off yeah because it's just like we like were you laughing at brave little sis boy ricky gervais (laughs) because now i am Um, i was laughing at brave little sis boy ricky gervais um (laughs) which i believe if you haven't watched that james acaster clip where he pulls out um Basically, yeah, this whole thing. Joke. It's incredible. Anyway, he, say, he says um, that, doesn't he? Brave little cis boy. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's 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 this. Well, it's it's lazy and it's boring and mm-hmm. it's all this, but get better patter. Want, like, truly, get better patter. We want pe- pe- everyone, anyone who wants to, to be able to identify how they want. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? If we, you know, there was like a, a reform on um, being able to self-identify and all these sorts of things, we wouldn't be like, but not if you were ever transphobic. You're also allowed to do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and if you, like, it's open to everyone and we want you to be able to change. So if, if Ricky Gervais actually wants to, sorry, there is a massive moth. <laughs> Oh my god, <laughs> we've, we've been interrupted by a moth. Um, sorry, I completely lost my train. I, I was getting quite angry, so it's quite good that I oh, lost my train of thought. But, um, <laughs> she's gone, she's gone back into the wilderness. Um, sorry, maybe about it was that, a spy it. for Ricky Gervais. Has he sent a moth to your house to stop you? I thought it was a bird, it was that many. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. And <laughs> um, Ricky Gervais in a moth disguise yeah. just entered. The he studio. identifies as a moth now. That's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> and look, he can do it, and I'll respect it. You can do um, it, Gervais, because gender's made up anyway. We've established. Um. Yeah. It's <laughs> anyway to to put a hat on it. Yeah. Um. It truly is like just. You can also benefit from this, like. Mm-hmm. Everyone can benefit from this. And it's the same, you know, similar arguments we have about the patriarchy and about homophobia. Yeah. And honestly, 
if we tackle this and we deal with it respectfully and we listen to trans people, we'll all be better off. Mm -hmm. So why, like, get a hobby? <laughs> Go outside and lie down in the grass, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Go and see the sun, Gervais, that's all we're saying. <laughs> Refuge Gervais, look at the sun. <laughs> yeah, directly, um, with no sunglasses on, thank you. <laughs> Where will you choose? Where will you <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that, that's quite a thing. Um, okay oh, then, you. could you tell me who your slay of the day is, please? I had I thought long and hard about this. So yeah, I thought you struggled with this one. <laughs> and you're right. Um, you said you were worried about it. <laughs> at first, well, at first I thought um, it's going to have to be like a comedian. So I was thinking like um, like drag queens like Bob and Katia and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to pick someone. I think that's a bit mainstream. I just don't feel very cool. Um, but I thought it was more. I think it's either going to have to be Juno Birch. Okay. Who I just think is she is a, a drag queen from Manchester and she's absolutely incredible. If you have never um uh, looked her up or look her up on social media, um she does this like beautiful silly drag that is this like alien housewife that's crash landed on Earth. Okay. Um and has like these like yellow rubber gloves with like nails painted on and um just like this like really weird art and it is literally beautiful to look at and she opens her mouth and the funniest stuff ever comes out and okay. um, she has a really good youtube channel where she plays the sims so if that's your thing go look her up it sounds like my thing what would you say her name again juno birch juno birch okay yeah. um or my other one was may martin um <sighs> and i think yes May might have to take it because um, when I was really thinking about this, I remember seeing her for the or they, I think they use they now. Um, I remember seeing them for the first time on Russell Howard's Good News. Okay, if we all remember Russell Howard's Good News, um, which it was like twenty twelve or thirteen or something. I still lived at mom and dad's house, um, and they were the first comedian that I remember watching. And they talked about sexuality in a way that actually, like, I related to. So I, I knew they were, like, gay comedians. Like, I, I watched mm. Alan Carr and sorts of things. But they were gay men. And as much as, you know, I would watch them way more than all the other comedians. Um, uh, spoiler. But um, <laughs> when I watched her do her, when I watched them do their set, um, it was just, like, I was like, you get it i mean yeah. you're speaking and there was this like um like fluidity and understanding about it and then i watched um feel good recently mm. and it just took me back to the exact same like um in terms know. of representation feel good is such a great piece of media it is yeah have you read may's brilliant. book no, I so have May, May has yeah. got a book called Can Everybody Just Calm Down? And there is a section in it that really made it so easy for me. When I was really, really struggling to work out what my label was as such, they've got a bit in there about how your sexual orientation and your romantic orientation don't necessarily need to match. And I, it was like a light bulb went off and I was like, oh, 
Oh, that's an option. Okay, got it. <laughs> but I'm the same as you. I think May is so incredible. And like, I first watched them when I didn't realize I wasn't straight. And something about their material really hit home. And I really identified with it in a way that I couldn't explain. And I was just like, there's something about you that I really, really like. Like chat, exactly. chat saying that they really exude friend energy. And I, I absolutely see that. I just want to be friends with them. <laughs> yeah it was like i was like oh i get you i don't know why but you know mm. um yeah something I think, about it i think look up juno birch yep. go and watch her youtube channel Um, she's absolutely amazing i think she's just like one of the best drag queens ever um but i think my choice will have to be mm. martin there's something about Slay of the Day that I've always really loved. You know, every episode that we've done, quite frequently, someone is mentioned that I've never heard of before. And then it just gives me more, like, queer representation to go and see and find out new people and fall in love with new people. And it's just been really, really special, to be perfectly honest. So oh, Juno is today's. <laughs> <laughs> so Kathleen, um, we are coming to the end of our time, I'm afraid. But where can we find you if you want to come and find you? Um, I am at Kathleen Who on Twitter and Instagram. Kathleen H. Uh, sorry, I can't spell. Kathleen W H O underscore at Twitter and Instagram. Um, and on Twitch, I don't <laughs> use it yet, but maybe I will. Um, yeah, please, that's really it. Please, please um, use it. <laughs> yeah, just do comedy uh, stuff. Have... Oh, well, I'll, I'll try. I'm self-conscious. Um. But yeah, I think that would be very exciting. Um, and I think after this, such a such a nice welcoming space to um, try out Twitch. So this has been nice. Oh, bless you. Um, I don't really have any, um, you know, any, anything to plug. But all I would say is, um, please look up your local comedy club and go. Yeah, this has been a year. Um, for me, that is this is my shout out. Um, monkey barrel even though i'm in edinburgh uh even though i'm in glasgow they're in edinburgh um like um their open mic was just like insanely welcoming and i learned so much when i was there um and now they're kind of getting back together and the lineup every week is like um <laughs> you know like in the first avengers film where they like all land and the camera goes around them <laughs> yeah. um every time i read the lineup it's like that i'm like whoa um so it's just fun like every weekend so if you are near around Edinburgh, go to Monkey Barrel. Otherwise, just go to whatever comedy club is nearest you because mm -hmm. um, we want them to still be open. Here, here. Save live comedy. There's a reason that's a hashtag. Okay, thank you so much, Kathleen, for today. Honestly, I genuinely really, really enjoyed chatting to you. I think it was really enlightening. And I also learned a few things, as always. <laughs> I had a, a lovely time. Thank you so much for having me. Amazing. Um, and it was an absolute joy. Yeah. And I will catch you again very, very soon. See you soon. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. So that was the wonderful Kathleen Hughes, uh, comedian extraordinaire, really insightful on a bunch of stuff. Um, I, I'd love chatting to her, to be honest. I would love for her to get involved in Twitch. I mean it. I'm like a proper Twitch pusher at this point. Um, despite the fact they've made it significantly more difficult for creators on the platform recently. 
Um, Twitch has put in some changes recently, which has made things a lot more difficult to be a content creator on that platform. For those that don't know, they take 50% of all the sub money. So what used to be a £5 sub used to get somebody £2.50. But not even that, really, because it used to convert from GBP to American dollars. And then you'd have to hit a threshold of $100 to be paid out. But then they would convert it back into GBP to pay you. So you might wind up with about £70 if you were lucky. And so they've implemented some pricing changes, which is great because it does mean that you can subscribe to more people. But it does mean because they are still taking 50%, it means your 3 is now worth about £1.39 to creators. Yeah, so you might see an upswing in your favourite Twitch creators saying that if you don't need all the emotes and the sounds and things, that you are, you're probably better off to support them on coffee. And what I really love is a lot of us have started to implement like coffee memberships. So if you want, still want all the cool sub stuff, then a lot of us are offering a tier where it's just like a top up and you just pay an extra 150. But if you don't need the emotes or the ad free stuff, then there's a tier for like £4 a month and you can support that way. Most of us have called the £4 tier Fuck Basos, which I, th- I think sums up how a lot of us are feeling. It's just very, very difficult at the moment. Um... I still think in terms of building communities and having a lot of fun with people, then they're great. And I would genuinely encourage anybody to start. As Kathleen rightly says, support live comedy. We're taking some tentative steps to kind of get live gigs happening again. And it's nice to see. And I think I think people have really missed it to a degree. Um, so it's lovely to see things slightly opening up just just baby baby steps but obviously we still have to be a little bit careful so take care of yourselves this week if you want to natter with me about anything all the social stuff is on jennagavemaster.com and i'll see you next monday with someone very very glamorous see ya (laughs) 